Julia Davenport knew something was wrong. You see, there seemed to be a connection with her orgasms and men dying. So she took meds to suppress them and faked her orgasms. But one unfortunate day, something went terribly wrong that set her off on a journey to becoming New York's newest superhero, Off Girl. Off Girl is an ongoing comic series created and written by Tina Fine and illustrated by Mark Rahill that pushes the envelope of the standard superhero. Irreverent, provocative, and fun with amazing art to showcase the story, Off Girl is a comic you won't want to miss. Go to offgirl.com to check out excerpts, download the digital version, and order yourself a print copy today. Off Girl at offgirl.com. You're quite level grade 36, and you are listening to the Candair Podcast. No, stop it and get back to work. And welcome to another episode of Can Dare, your tribute to comics and pop culture. I'm Jeremy Colley. I'm Jack Doherty. And joining us today, a few special guests. Uh, first, we have a man, we've got a founder in house, Jack. Mm-hmm. This is, uh, we need to be dotting our I's, crossing our T's, because one of the people that pays the bills is in here yeah, with us today. Absolutely. We welcome Randy Hardenbrook to the show. Randy, thank you so much for being here. It's awesome to have you in, in the studio. We've talked to you before, some live shows, but to actually have you in here hanging out with us, it's been a long time coming. Yeah, yeah. a bunch of yeah. comics and toys one time, too. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah appreciate you guys having me on. Awesome, man. I'm glad you, uh, glad to have you here. And then we also are welcoming from DrawMeInComics.com, Mr. Brennan Risling. Brennan, thank you so much Hello, for being everyone. here. Oh, thanks for having me so much. I'm glad I could be here. We have a good show lined up for you guys today in our retro roundtable. We're going to be talking 70s pop culture, keeping in theme with uh, the last two weeks. We've covered the 50s and 60s. Wow. Who didn't see this coming? The 70s. Yep, yep. Uh, so uh, anything to come out of the 70s, we're going to be talking about a lot, a lot of cool things here on our list. I think they get and cooler. Yeah, it looks like Randy's. Oh, yes. Randy's got some visuals over here. Yeah, I'm excited for that. Brought visuals to a podcast, you know. (laughs) (laughs) And then in our uh, comic. Best time to bring them. Best time to bring them. (laughs) Exactly. Then in the comic vault, gentlemen, what are we talking about today? I have The Scourge. It's a zero, number zero comic from, I couldn't find the date on it. Actually, there it is right on the front. 2010. <laughs> Mystery solved. Yep. <laughs> I've got uh, two Sonic comics from last year. Very cool. Very cool. All IDW titles, yes, right? Yes. Yeah, you showed me those before we started. Very good. A few of the titles we'll be talking about there. And then we'll turn our full attention over to Brennan and talk more about Draw Me In Comics, which I'm excited to talk about because it's, mm-hmm. uh, it's like a pretty cool format, right? Yes. But, uh, so, it is. I, well, I mean, I'm biased, but I think it's pretty cool as well. You know, I'm just going to put that out there. I'd have to agree with you. And I forgot to tell everyone that uh, you, you have the nickname The Riz. Is this something that we should be addressing you by from here on out? or? I will give you the choice. Uh, professionally, I, I go by The Riz usually, yes. When I uh, had my first band, I wanted to have a secret identity. You know, like the Ramones. Oh, wow. So, so should have I never even said your name at the top of the episode? Most of the time when I get to do these cool conversations, I go by the Riz, my superhero name. Henceforth, you will be called Riz. The Riz. Excuse me. The, the, the Riz. Do you want to go with the or da? 
No, the, <laughs> the, the, the. All right. Uh, but before we do all that, don't forget to find us on Twitter at CandairPod and on Instagram at Canned underscore Air. And hey, go over to Patreon. Throw a few dollars our way for $5 a month. You can get access to the Patreon-only show we do over there. It releases once a month. We have a new episode coming out. Uh, well, it just came out mm-hmm. by the time this airs. Uh, so what, how many are on there now? About 17, 18, I something like no that? Idea. More than I know that there are. Yeah, there's quite a few episodes <laughs> on there. So uh, you're getting your money's worth for $5 a month. And Jack... What do we have uh, on the Wizard front? Well, Wizard World this weekend in St. Louis, Missouri is going on the 5th through the 7th, I think it is. And the next one coming up is going to be in Culver City, California, the Ghostbusters Fan Fest with Wizard World, June 7th and 8th. Now, that was going on last year when we attended, I think. Uh, the con, right? The, there was a whole Ghostbusters theme last year at the uh, Columbus. Yeah, but this con. is a, like a big anniversary special hoopla thing. I oh, think. This really? Is a, this is a new thing this year. Wow. But if you're interested that? to either one of those or want to go to any Wizard World show, use promo code CANDAIR in the little promo code box when you're getting your tickets to get 10% off. Well, what about those passes? We have passes we're giving away? Uh, not yet. We don't have till June. Really? There's yeah. that big a gap? Yeah, there's a big gap this wow. time. Wow, all right. Well, we have passes coming, people. We mm-hmm. have passes coming. So. Yeah, keep an eye out because we're going to have uh, two, three-day priority platinum passes to the, the event. We've been giving them away like Crazy Larry's Carpet Emporium. Like, this got to go. It's got to go. <laughs> right? Let's get on with it with our retro round table. And here we go. <laughs> All right, guys. 70s pop culture. Where do we begin? The year 70, I think. The year 70. Okay. I don't have anything <laughs> specifically dated like we had. Let me just look at my list here. So I guess I'll go ahead and start. Then. Go ahead, Randy. Cool. What you got? Um, so me being the total tech nerd I am, um, 70s was like the birth of the home video game console. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, I brought a Magnavox Odyssey 2 that everybody can see since this yeah. is a podcast. But, um, you know, you've got um, the arcades, you had Space Invaders hitting, Asteroids, um, yeah. the Atari 2600, which was known as the VCS at that time. Pong came out in 72, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. The era, era of brain melting yes. <laughs> has begun. And Said then, parents who just don't understand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then on top of that, in uh, 75, you have the founding of Microsoft, and then 76, you got the founding of Apple. So Wow. Yeah. The titans yes. of the industry now. And they're still holding up. I would say so, Jack. I would certainly say so. I mean, look at the Apple uh, logos that are around this room alone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're doing in all right. Hand. <laughs> it's funny how um, some of those games, like those Atari games, are still getting played today. You know, you see these, uh, like, and I don't know, uh, Brennan, if there are any bars like this where you're at. I'm sure there are. Where We have two in Columbus here, like 16-bit uh, arcade and grill, and then there's Old North Arcade. Cafe, too. Oh, there's a third yes. one? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and uh, up here in Saskatoon, we have a place called Bar Tari that has a selection of newer games and older games, and it's very much the same type of style. So uh, the first time I ever saw that, I was in, in Vegas on Fremont Street, and I walked by this club, and there was the bouncer with, you know, the, the suit and the, the rope and everything, and it was this huge arcade like that. And I always said, when I go back to Canada, I will start one. And I didn't, but luckily someone else did. So, uh, yeah, we have that here as well. Wow. 
Okay, that's yeah, that sounds a lot cooler than ours. Yeah, <laughs> I think the bouncers need to be dressed up like Pac Man or Donkey Kong. Ooh, the ghosts and yes, Pac Man. Yes. There you go, and they chase you That'd around. That'd be awesome. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, but it's, it's amazing to me, and the name of that bar is a perfect example. I'm just how those old games stay popular. You know, I, nostalgia, the nostalgia boom, I'm sure, is partly responsible, but there's definitely a dedicated, loyal, and I think you're probably in this group, Randy, mm-hmm. uh, dedicated retro great gaming community that's uh, keeping these games alive and relevant. It's a part of the history. and Yeah. Yeah. And, and they need to be kept alive because uh, the, the kids need to see what we came up on. You know, <laughs> well, not only that, how great is it to plug a game in and not wait for an hour for it to update before you can even play it, oh, or God, not have yeah. to require a DLC? I can yeah, just, just put Pitfall in and jump <laughs> between, uh, yeah, pits of alligators. Right? No DLCs required. Uh, Brennan, what about you? Seventies. Seventies. Uh, well, as the music connoisseur that I like to think I am or pretend I am. Uh, Mid-70s is when a little genre of music called punk rock was first created. So um, the first Ramones album is often accredited as being the first punk rock album, but it was actually The Damned with their record Damn Damn Damned that came out in the the mid-70s. That was the English record that really kind of set the music, set the genre afire. But it was the Ramones' first album, which is the one that basically started the whole the rush of bands, right? So when right. when when people heard the first Ramones album, that was the record that they thought, oh man, if those guys can make a record, so can I. And that's the album that really spawned the whole movement that it became, right? So um, and then from there, that turned into new wave and kind of alternative music in the 90s and this totally changed everything from from that point on so as a music guy i would say the 70s was the uh the decade for punk that's when it all started yeah for sure i didn't even think about that so yep. who was it that did london calling that was uh that was the clash the clash yeah. so how, how far how do you know have any idea how close that was to the ramones uh hitting the scene that was right on the heels of them. Um, uh, unlike you, I didn't make notes, so I don't have dates in front of me. But <laughs> <laughs> You're at a party, for Christ's sake. I don't expect you to have notes. Um, but off the top of my head, like I think the first, the first Clash album was like 77. I think the first Ramones album was 75, 76. So mm. it was kind of like the damned Ramones Clash all came out around, around the same time. Um, I, I, I read an interview with Joe Strummer. Um, and there was, I forget if they were in the States or if the Ramones were in England, but no, yeah, no, the Ramones were in England and Joe Strummer and the Clash wanted to see them play and couldn't get in. So they snuck around the back and apparently the Ramones helped Joe Strummer and the Clash like climb in through the back windows of the club to go see the Ramones play. So this really like classic kind of punk rock moment. So, um, yeah, that whole time it all spawned around around the same time. Right. And then, then a band like the clash went on to diversify their music more, right. They got really heavy into reggae and ska and sort of turned, you know, punk meets new wave meets kind of getting almost artsy with some records. Whereas the Ramones basically stuck to the guns and, and re-recorded the same genre up until they stopped playing. Right. So, it's kind of crazy to think, too, like, while all that was going on, you had Led Zeppelin being, like, kind of in their prime, too. So Yeah. Yeah, and a lot of, like, the, the biggest, most pretentious prog rock was happening at the same time, right? So um, it was kind of this decade of, of great musical excess and then also tearing it down and saying, let's 
let's not be that way. <laughs> you know, some of us don't want to listen to 10 minute guitar solos all the time. Yeah. The seventies seemed like to me like, okay, the Beatles have now left the scene. Let's take everything we've learned here and run with it, you know, and so put much it all great together. stuff. Yeah. yeah has uh, come out of the seventies for sure. For sure. Um, as far as comics go, 1978, the very first Garfield comic strip ever released. Wow. Is that long ago? It was that long ago, yeah, yeah. yeah he yeah. didn't even look anything like he did in the the newer comics. He didn't. No, he was more no, he, triangular instead of being just yeah, a little round cat. He, he was harsh looking and at the very beginning. He yeah. he actually looked mean. Like if you saw Garfield, he'd be scared. You're like, oh man. I'm looking this up Odie right now. Totally different too. I mean, he was still the same big tongue dog, but <laughs> the way he looked was way way different. Original look of Garfield. It was definitely the, the the grumpier oh looking God. cat. Yeah, yeah. You would you would you would step aside if that cat walked by you. He was actually fat too, <laughs> versus just a little round cat that he was. Yeah, I definitely prefer. Uh, man, <laughs> anyone but that one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's hideous. But you know, yeah. if 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 super you know if Superman eventually lost the red trunks, you know, Carfield's allowed to look different too, right? So yeah. You know, if, if superheroes can change outfits, then I think it's allowed if cartoon cats can as well. His look just keeps getting better from what I'm seeing from this uh, this time graph here. Garfield's evolution. But uh, did you guys happen to hear recently? I just saw on the news the other day in France for the past 35 years, washing up on one of the beaches occasionally have been, you know, the old Garfield telephones. Really? Yeah. You know what I'm yeah. talking about? Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. like he looks like he's laying. I think his eyes open when it rings. Mm-hmm. And, and these phones have been washing up on the shore, unexplained. They don't know why for 35 years. And just this past week, I think it was like an environmental crew was out there, like picking up litter, and they found this crate. Uh, like wedged between these rocks that has slowly been dropping these things into the water. It's like it fell off of a ship or something like something that. Something like that. I mean, just... I can't imagine a Garfield phone heist, you know, that these things probably <laughs> came from. It had to have been purely either that or like someone came into them like, I don't what the fuck am I going to do with these? Just throw them in the Slowest water, you know? invasion in the world of Garfield phones. <laughs> but they had them all like laid out in the sand and shit. That's it was crazy. so funny. It was <laughs> like funny. how Atari buried all those games in the desert. Yeah. 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 That's exactly what I was thinking was the Atari, the Atari burial. Yeah. But that could be like an inside joke. You could write into, I don't know, like Con Air 2, the international flight or something, you know, make it, <laughs> <laughs> make it, make it, a, make it a time period piece. And, and, and for some reason they have a bunch of cargo they have to take overseas and the one crate that falls out is like the the thing of garfield phones and one of the comments could be like i always wanted one of those you know that that, that should be written to something somewhere you, you got nick cage said put the pussy down <laughs> I, i'm just i'm constructing the scene in my head now I, I'm, I'm steve buscemi like oh what's we gotta jettison some crates or something and then just throw the garfield phone i mean they're like 40 years out of date at this point anyway garfield right phone, yeah. why would they have that yeah. cargo on that plane to begin with but, yeah, it could pick up a, a prequel kind of thing you know a prequel story maybe it takes in modern times when the phones were new who knows <laughs> so the garfield phone is just a way of solidifying to the the viewer of it's actually early 80s <laughs> remember it's early or yeah, so maybe that know. phone came late 70s i don't know i don't know when mm-hmm. the phone actually came but i found that story to be hilarious that's awesome <laughs> releasing one every so often <laughs> just just <laughs> enough to pe- pe- keep people going what the fuck oh i remember these yeah <laughs> 
Now the question is, did they want to take them home and try to plug them in and you wouldn't use them still? That's what I'm wondering. Oh, these things were beat to fuck. Like they were, yeah, they were in pieces, pieces. Yeah. Yeah. The mood rings. Nuh-uh, 70s? That's what I got here, yeah. They never worked for me. Like, mood anything never worked. Like, it was it, always black, I think. It just stayed. <laughs> well, that says something about you, <laughs> doesn't it? <laughs> so. I've got a bad attitude. <laughs> so that, well, you that, turn that, one that. color and it says, oh, you're anxious. Like, no, I'm not. I'm, I'm, I'm good. Yeah. I'm good. <laughs> just a little hot. Yeah. <laughs> I'm balmy. Can't you see I'm sweating here? That's why it's showing white. Oh, Randy, just what else that, we got? That, oh. The, the, the black the black ring match your black heart is that what that means yeah. <laughs> i think that's what that means yeah. <laughs> stay away from him <laughs> oh. i'm just gonna move on the other side of the desk now what else you got randy um so in the 70s we got uh, some uh this uh birth of the slasher genre we had texas chainsaw massacre and halloween mm. come out really no yeah, I guess we did. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, before that was always just weird monster movies. It takes a lot for a film to like really get under my skin and scare me. Like horror is a genre I enjoy, but I think I'm probably the most particular with. Like ninety percent of horror films I watch, I'm like, oh no, yeah, thank I, you. I can't do the blood. I'm always like the classic monster movies, like the old Universal black and white. Yeah, I but... dig those, but I dig those on a different level. Those are like more of like, um, okay, it's cinematic history. It's cool to see, you know, some of the monsters that have spawned the many other monsters to come after. Because right. um, I used to watch Frankenstein uh, okay. every Halloween. I love that movie. That's such a good film. But um, you're right. Yeah, like the the bloody slashers, yeah. like the murder porn kind of stuff. I, yeah. I can't really. I I'll watch, but I don't actively go for. It. I like like the uh, the devil kind of stuff, like The Exorcist okay. and stuff okay. like that. Yeah. But Texas Chainsaw Massacre was kind of that exception. We also had Dawn of the Dead in the seventies too. Ooh. So. Uh, yeah, Chainsaw Massacre <laughs> is the one that still creeps me to this day. Yeah. Creeps me out. Like when they bring Grandpa downstairs and they're trying to like bash her head open over that trough. Like that's horrifying. Yeah. I've still never seen it from being scarred from when I was a kid watching. Really? It. Well, listening to it and seeing the first opening clips of the movie and then being like, nope. Well, like the camera, like the. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and then just seeing that's the like pile creepy of noise in itself. Yeah. You know, that's like uh, that's all I got to watch, and then I sat there and listened to the rest of it, and yeah, I had nightmares for a while. Well, speaking of movies, uh, 1975 was also Jaws, which is technically the first big summer blockbuster film, mm-hmm. right? Yep. So that's that was I was going to go there next. Actually, I was just waiting to jump in. And I'm like, wait, I have another thing with Jaws, and you. Took <laughs> oh, it. Thanks for... I'm sorry. Hey, really that's quick, weird. feel free to interject, jump in. Don't feel like you have to be addressed. <laughs> just be like, hey, shut up. No, it's all good. Yeah, no, that was the first. first and like, but as far as the horror movie genre goes, like, I'm still the, the, the classic Friday the 13th fan. You know, like, that was the first one. And, mm-hmm. you know, they were just, they were so fun and camping, so s- stupid. But at the same time, when you first watched those, that was the first time that they could use, uh, like, latex and makeup in, in really cool ways. And you'd watch it to be like, how did they make it look like that? And how could they make that effect? And that was really the charm of a lot of those early ones, you know? Like did, like now when they're like we said the the violent violence porn or whatever it's just you know they're trying to go over the top but they yeah. they're kind of losing a lot of the the characters that were in the first ones you know and they're if, if memory serves again because I'm yeah. in front of me um, I think didn't Friday Thirteenth didn't it kick Empire Strikes Back off the number one movie slot when it was released did it really I'm, I'm, I'm not aware of about right I think actually 
Yeah, because it when it when it came out, it was it was such a surprise. Like it was no one had seen anything like that before. And it was done on like a shoestring budget. Yeah. And I, I I'm pretty sure it's Empire and it was released and it kicked it off from number one to number two and it took it was like the top of the box office for a little yeah. while. Yeah. It was such a good movie. I love that first. Uh, same way with uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. And I'm not saying anything prolific. I mean, it's obvious the originals are always going to be the best. But that was the '80s. I'm sorry. That's next week's episode. Yeah, that's the '80s, man. I'm oh, sorry. Oh, Jesus <laughs> Christ. <laughs> Hold wow. Your for next week. <laughs> wow. Conversation cut short. Sorry, Brennan. I was going to relate <laughs> yeah. to you there on a on a personal level, but I can't until next week. Well, I guess you can because we were talking about gore porn. And yeah, yeah. Back then, so yeah, I'm allowed now. Proceed. Oh, I see. <laughs> I, mean, I, I see. <laughs> Unless you count some of the Italian stuff, because I think in the mid seventies that was when he had like a lot of the European horror stuff come out, and well, that was the Godfather crazy. Too. I've never seen the Godfather. Me either. Was the seventies when we had the? Uh, I think it's when they started doing the, the uh, like one foot GI Joes. Correct? Is that was that in the seventies? Uh, I think that was last. You brought up that last week, right? The sixties for GI Joes, yeah. Yeah, uh, was it? Uh, I was see, that I the remember. minis, I'm though? Were those, or were those right 80s? The big ones, yeah, the mini ones came in the 80s. Yeah. Okay, okay. Uh, yeah, those, before that, that they were, like, he was set, like Barbie doll size. Oh, that's what he meant by one foot by 12-inch yeah. tall. I thought it was like, I got you, Riz, I got you. G.I. Joe with one foot? I don't know. <laughs> Oh, that was. The, I think that's the GI Joes are making now, isn't it? The, the, the diverse, diverse Joes. I think they're called. Is that what the <laughs> new one's called? Leg. <laughs> oh man! All right. <laughs> uh, another thing we have here: uh, Saturday Night Live debuted okay. in the seventies. Oh, yeah. And boy, what do we? Uh, you guys watch current SNL? I haven't I watched a newer one yeah. lately. I, There's a no, couple people that years. I enjoy on it, but more. Than, Often than not, no. Would you say, Brennan? I, I haven't watched it in years, uh, partly just because I just watched a lot less TV, you sure. know, but I don't know. Like, a show I've always enjoyed, but just, I don't know. I guess the 90s kind of ruined it for me, and then I just never really went back. Oh, you didn't like 90s SNL. I love 90s mm, SNL. Yeah. It depends. It was hit and miss. Like, sometimes it was really good, and sometimes I was just like, Ugh. you know? Like, really? I used to, ta- Parts I used to of it tape it on my VCR, you know? Like, I used to tape episodes and things, so... But then I just, I don't know, just kind of got tired of it. Sure. I can understand that. Early 90s, I think, was a little dry, but then they started getting some but of the like, early people. 90s was, like, uh, freaking Farley, Spade, Sandler, uh, Schneider, who else? Nealon, um, uh Chris Rock... No. Yeah, Adam Sandler in there. Oh, Dennis, uh, what's his name? Dennis. Dennis Miller. Miller. Yeah, Thank he was you. the Weekend Update guy. Uh, he was so funny. <laughs> we came <laughs> up. Him that and was Norm. my favorite part. Was Dennis Miller? That was the part that I really enjoyed. You know, like they, that was probably one of the best cast it had a long time. But I just dislike David Spade so much. I think that kind of oh yeah tarnished tarnished the whole show for me a little bit. I can relate. I still kind of dislike him, and I don't know why. I guess, but it's just so Weasley. And- I guess it was the show Just Shoot Me. That yeah, show can yeah. make a person hate David Spade if you don't already. <laughs> That's definitely the truth. If you're looking to hate David Spade, watch, watch that show. Me. Yeah, Chris Farley's my spirit animal, guys. I I just can't. <laughs> he's get he's him. yeah. He's that was too bad. I st- man, that was a dark day. His 20 year anniversary, I think it was. This came around not too long. ago. Oh, did it? Yeah. Within the last year. Yeah. Shows you what kind of fan I am. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> What else we got, guys? Anything else, Brennan? Uh, off the top of my head, no. I actually did a quick search before I came, so I have a few things off the top of my head, but now that I'm in the heat of the conversation, I 
Sure. I can't think of anything right now. So I was oh, born Lord. in the 70s, so that, that's got to count for something, right? I mean, that was a pretty big uh, that was a pretty big deal for me. You know, looking back at my own personal history, that was pretty impactful. Um, I have been the Riz, brought to you by the 70s. <laughs> hey, it worked for the show, because that, if you weren't born then, then we wouldn't have you to talk to. Yeah. yeah. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> I mean, oh, uh, Women's Lib, I guess was a big thing in the 70s oh yeah you know? absolutely uh, politically yeah that was a that was a that was a huge uh, social game changer there so that was a lot of social movements that was also oh the the famous you know i'm bad with titles and and specifics but there was like some very famous uh, uh photographs from like Vietnam and things coming out. Oh, and, right. Yeah. Um, the, 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 the little girl running away from the napalm and stuff. Not to bring it oh, down a little yeah. bit. Maybe that's, yeah, that, that was in the 70s. Watergate. Was that the 70s? I'm pretty sure. That was, yep. yeah. 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 So poor, or resignation, poor Nixon, rather. Yeah, Nixon making some bad choices and, and that kind of thing. So Yeah, it seemed to be his MO, didn't it? Light bright. Oh. Ooh. Speaking of Nixon. <laughs> exactly. That's what brought it up. No, no correlation light, there, but hey, Light Bright is light still... Light Bright tracks. <laughs> oh, there you go. Maybe if he would have played with a Light Bright instead of spying on his own people, you know, he would still be present. Who knows? Well, that could be. Lesson learned too late. Look at what I made. Look at what I made. Yeah, I <laughs> light Bright. Um, 19... <laughs> What's that? <laughs> that's a movie I see maybe that's what Alan Moore should you know you know in the Watchmen Nixon was still present he should go back and do a prequel where maybe Nixon gets to play with light brights and uh, choice in the 70s and it changes his whole world perspective and he becomes a really nice guy you know that kind of feels like a Mel Brooks production or uh, yeah, Monty really. Python <laughs> I wanted to go to war but this light bright has me in France somehow he got smoking weed and just made psychedelic pictures with his light bright I still have my light bright do you? In the basement, and it's ratty old box. There I still have it. Nice. I can't say that it's going to say 1970 something on it, but it, it definitely has 80s on it. Right. Or is that for next week's conversation? No. <laughs> Excuse the fuck out of me. Yeah, I still have an original Pong, the actual original Pong console. Oh, since wow. we're talking nice. about that. Yeah, and I have my uh, Star Wars Death Star playset. So yeah, yeah. Still have Wars. a lot of those those fun toys. I guess yeah, Star Wars too. Big 70s. Have you guys yeah. heard of Star Wars? It was kind of a big deal at the time. I'm what is that? Yeah. With it, I think. <laughs> so yeah, that a conflict that a among the, amongst the stars. It sounds like yeah. I, I can't imagine. I what thought that was, was the '80s with Reagan. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're not wrong. So a lot of those pretty, lines too. But that's next week, Jack. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm uh, pretty Star sure Trek there's a, there's movie. A, there's yep. probably a trademark a trademark war over that when Reagan tried to use the Star Wars thing. You know, I'm not sure, but I'm I'm sure there must have been some kind of a copyright infringement there. Yeah, because if it, if the been. wildlife worldwide wildlife federation or whatever can uh, hassle the WWF the until yeah. they give in, <laughs> it can be done. Yeah, Star Wars the motion picture or Star Trek the motion picture, yeah. the, the worst one of them all. <laughs> and I would be remiss if. Uh, being a comic book uh, podcast, and we didn't mention the Superman movie with Christopher. Mm, mm. Christopher oh, Reeve. classic. That was so yeah. good. And see, that's a great thing about these. If we miss something, we can always do it again. Yeah. Yep. That's true. I mean, in 20 minutes, it's hard to cover everything. And I know I'm going to forget something that people are like, what the fuck? Why didn't you say this? Yeah. But I'm just not perfect. Not perfect. Well, we only got a few minutes to talk about stuff, so. Yeah. yeah. We'll leave something and out. If, and if they knew everything, then they should be on the show, right? So exactly. come on. So it's. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's way more difficult when you're actually doing the talking and trying to think at the same time. It gets complicated. If you had an idea, you should have called in. Exactly. One thing that come out of uh, 79 that I just changed my life, and to this day I still walk around with, not quite, uh, the Walkman. Mm. I still always have headphones in my ears. But, I mean, from the time I was young and had my first Walkman, I always had a bag of cassettes with me because I was always changing a new cassette in there. And the day I got one with an AM-FM radio on it, <laughs> I was big shit, buddy, let me tell you. Uh, and then then to finally go to the Discman, you know, the CD mm-hmm. equivalent. But, man, did you guys, were you attached at the hip with these kind of things? Oh, yeah. I never, Walkman, like, I yeah. never didn't have it with me. I even had a backup in case one broke. Like, I always had to have it working. The Walkman I, I had yeah. had a speaker on it, and the headphones I had were mono, but it played stereo, or maybe it was backwards, so you couldn't put the jack in all the way. But I'd be riding my bike with the, the headphones on, and then I'd stop and realize that the music's coming still out of, out of the speaker and in my headphones because the jack wasn't plugged in all the way, or else it would only come in one ear. Because mm. it was nice. yeah, stereo headphones, but mono. I see. And the Walkman. People would be staring at me, uh, listening to Weird Al. I had an older brother that had a job, so he could actually save money and buy his own things. And he bought, no, this is the 80s. I'm sorry, I'm jumping ahead, but Walkman talk. And he had the Sony Walkman. He had the yellow one that you could lock. It had mm, the gray yeah. lock on the side. Yes. It, do you remember that one? And it was it was yellow, and it had the matching yellow headphones, and it was waterproof. Yep. And as a kid, I was just, I thought it was the coolest thing ever that I could see my brother sitting in the pool with his Walkman floating on top of the water, listening to tapes. And so whenever he was, he would like leave the house, I would like sneak into his room and borrow his Walkman. I had one too, but mine was like the cheap red one that fell apart. Yeah. But that uh, you don't the, take in the pool. The one you sneezed and it skipped for an hour after. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I would borrow the big yellow one and put my... You know, I used to always, I used to tape his records, so like I tape his Van Halen records and stuff onto a blank uh, gold Maxell tape, right? So I could have the best tunes in the Walkman that I'd steal from him when he wasn't home. It's funny uh, the kind of freedom the Walkman, I guess, gives you. It sounds stupid now, but at that age, you know, I was so obsessed with music. I was learning guitar, and I just always was thinking about music, wanting to listen to it, trying to play it. So the quickest you could get home and get in front of it was always the best feeling, but to have it with you all the time. Mm -hmm. Boy, did I MacGyver some ways to listen to that shit at school, too. Like (laughs) When the the little earbuds first came out, I was like, holy crap, this is like an innovation, you know? I grew my hair long, and it just would kind of come up the back of my neck here, up over my ear and into the ear, and then I'd keep the hair over the (laughs) ear and... Boy, I, I was good at getting away with that, but but that was kind of the cool part of that the tail end of the seventies is you have like the self expression, like you have the Ramones and the Clash, and you have your way to listen to those yeah. in your day to day and kind of you know have a, your own soundtrack to your life, kind of fight the man on the road instead of just sitting at home to like fighting the man, right? Yeah, I never thought about that making the soundtrack of your life. Yep. Yeah. In the 80s, you take your blank and again, sort of jump ahead, but I won't be there next week, so whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Where I'd, I don't know if you did this, but I'd get my blank tapes from like A&A Records and Tapes, and you'd listen to the radio. Yes. And then when the, song, yeah. when the song came on the radio you're waiting for, you'd tape it really quick, and it was done. You'd try to pause it and not get the talking and things in between. Holy shit. I, yeah, yeah. I definitely did that. So many times yelling at the DJ to stop talking while the beginning of the song is oh playing. Oh, my God. Just yeah. screaming till you're red in the face. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> but 
uh, how many, uh, I mean, the, the radio kept me a slave to it for that very reason. You'd sit there like for like a three hour block. This, come on, this has got to be the time you haven't played it in for a long time. And like every night that I like sat down with the intentions of trying to catch a song, the second I turned on the radio, it would just be ending. I'm like, oh, crap. <laughs> so I know it's going to be at least another three or four hours before you hear it again, you know, but. Now you think you're slick calling up the radio station. Yeah, I'd like to request a song. Okay, yeah, we'll play it. So then you're stuck waiting and waiting for it to never play. (laughs) Not now, Mom. I'm busy. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Man, I'd love to find some of those tapes. Because some of those tapes do have those old commercials on them. And, like, I I know one in particular. I don't know if I still have it or not. But from when I was real young, I'm talking, like, I was recording, like, Guns N' Roses off off of the radio. And there was an old Copenhagen commercials like copenhagen make you feel so good you know and i was just like wow different time indeed yeah. <laughs> oh man where are we at so i think that's probably good for the uh the yeah. 70s pop culture but we covered some good stuff there one quick thing i'll mention because we've talked about so many times uh disney world disney world uh, orlando opened up in 71 okay ah yeah oh good one good call yeah, yeah, and I, I I could just go down a foxhole of conversation when it comes to those <laughs> theme parks, but I'm not going to, not this time, because we have to move on. And yes. uh, before we do, really quick, we must, once again, this being the last time, we can mention Laser Wolf, oh, Adult yeah. Swim, its premiere. Yeah. Uh, again, how would you describe this, Jack? It was uh, four four characters, Laser Wolf, Cannon four Wolf. Four animals. Uh, stupid horse. Stupid horse. And I cannot, for the life of me, remember the fourth character's yeah, name. I can't remember but, either. Uh, take those characters and put them with hijinks, and you have a show in a cafe. Uh, yeah. yeah, I don't. I wonder if the whole series will be in the cafe, I'm or if that sure. was just the the first episode. But um, again, the color palettes they choose very. Uh, how would you describe it? Almost like a pastel neon. Very pastel. Yeah. Uh, 80s vibe to it, I guess. Yeah, um, easily. I, it's, the animation it's cool. is super clean and smooth, too. Really clean and smooth. Yeah. That's one thing that I really liked about it. Like I was uh, kind of saying last week, if you're an Aqua Teen Hunger Force fan, you'll probably get into this because mm-hmm. it, it's resonating with us kind of the same way I would oh, say yeah. that show did. So, um, once again, April 7th at midnight on Adult Swim Laser Wolf. That's Wolf with a U. Spell it that way. <laughs> that's the way it's really spelled. <laughs> All right. With that, let's swing open the door to the comic vault. I have nothing this week because I was a little busy. So, Son of a bitch. Yeah, I'll son go. of a bitch indeed. Jack, why don't you uh, kick us off there? Well, I've got a was that, a cheap find from a grab bag at a local discount store. Oh, yeah. Tell me about that really quick one more time, how that grab bag thing works. There's at Ollie's Bargain Basement, I think. Do you know? Are you familiar with that store yeah. at all? Well, it's good stuff cheap is their motto. Okay. And they have... But it's always like, is it like secondhand stuff or is it all... I think it's bottom of the barrel stuff that didn't sell at some places cheap. So like where off. Big Lots is sending their shit. Exactly, yeah. It doesn't sell. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, then they're in their book section, they've got bags of... There's eight comics for five bucks. And Can't it's, beat that. No, and there's... Like the, the one guy when I was buying a set, he said usually there's probably two decent ones in it. Mm-hmm. And so far, I've out of the three that I've read so far, there. I mean, there are winners are each one of them. So he admittedly puts like at least two shitty ones in there. Or? I don't know who packs them, hmm. 
But they're they go from indie to are they packed like PC? something they did there, or are they like packed with like UPCs on them? Or yeah, there's UPCs on really. Them. But a lot of people they they open them up and fish out what's good. I in them see. They're they're I guess there have been some gems. Well, I've got that San Diego Comic Con from 2003 Kiss Number One. Oh yes, I remember that. Yeah. You bastard. Anyway, I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't mean to interrupt you. Continue. Well, this is called the Scourge. It's from Aspen Aspen Comics. Which I've never heard of. A little place called Aspen. Where the women flow like wine, <laughs> California. <laughs> this is a number zero comic. There's not a lot of story of what's going on. There's a fella that's a cop and he's on the phone kind of arguing with his wife about him coming home or going to pick up his kid at a play. And he's like, yeah, 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 I'll go. I'll go. I'll be there. And next thing you know, this big gargoyle creature attacks him. And the whole time he's fighting this gargoyle. While you can hear his wife or girlfriend in the background on the phone. Are you there? Are you there? Are you even there yet? And it's it's straight up action. The art is awesome on it. But there's not a lot of story. It's just kind of like a, a beginning. Apparently it's some kind of So this whole comic is this, this fight or whatever? Pretty much, yeah. But I so guess... It's like an episode of Dragon Ball Z, essentially. <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> they reference there's some kind of plague. It almost kind of... I haven't seen the movie, but uh, the Will... Will yeah, Will Smith, I Am Legend. Is that the one? Yeah, the with vampire. the yeah. vampires. Yeah. yeah. I kind of get that vibe. I've never seen the movie, so I really can't relate too much. <laughs> other than it's nighttime and these creatures are fighting him. And he looks to be the only one around. Looks like there's a big bat silhouette there. So I, I can I can see the... Uh... Yeah, he thinks he, he defeated it, but then he's kind of talking his inner monologue. And he realizes, nope, here comes another one. So, he's getting so these ready. are like a vampire kind of... Uh... They don't really go into it. It's just is that I, is that one of them right there? Yeah, I don't it's know. Kind of like a Mars attacks looking insect, kind of fucked up. Yeah, how yeah, would they you just said it's them? some kind of a plague, I guess that he refers to, but they don't go into it at all. It's just really this battle of him trying to get away and go right, go get his kid from the play that he's at and trying to be the good dad. <laughs> so he's fighting off all these monsters just to pick his son up. Like this isn't like yeah. a regular occurrence. <laughs> yeah. Wow, but okay. it uh, it's by the movie producer that did Aliens, The Abyss, Armageddon, Incredible Hulk, Terminator, Terminator Two. Wow, really? Gail Ann Hurd, yeah. So it's got to be pretty good. I haven't heard of it. I I want to read more of it because this is the you know the number zero. So it's just the teaser of. Let me just take a peek at it. Really like great. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, the artwork looks wicked on it. Man. Yeah, it looks great. Looks straight from over here. Wow, it's, <laughs> it's awesome. You like that? Thank you for thank you for bringing your comic to a podcast. It's wonderful. <laughs> so we'll throw up uh, some uh, images online and some links to the art artist and drawers and yeah, there you go. And tracers. There you go. Very good. Well, uh, uh, the Riz. It is now your turn to uh, talk about a comic we can't see. <laughs> Good. Well, I didn't even, out of respect, I didn't even bring it with me. So there you go. <laughs> um, actually, to stick with the theme of the 70s, and this is a comic I've mentioned a couple of times, but it's one that I've always gone back to and really, it actually shaped my opinion on, on comics and, and how cool comics could be. Uh, it's from 1976, and there was a company called Power Records or Power Comics, and they would release these full-length albums, so 33rd and a 3rd RPM records, that came with a full-size comic 
that you would put the record on and side A would be the story with the narrator and the voices and the sound effects. And there'd be two stories. So side A would be one story and side B would be another story. So you probably remember they used to make the 45 versions of it. There was like the Star Wars ones, the Black Hole oh, yeah. ones, right? But this is like a full-size album, a 33rd and a third. And the one that I had one of them, they had a whole series, but the one I have is a Batman story. Side A is Batman, He's his plane crashes and he gets attacked by Gorilla Grodd. And then side B is he meets this detective in England at the end he thinks is the ghost of Sherlock Holmes. And it's these two like weird, crazy stories. The, the voice acting is amazing. Um, and it was the first time, like if you think of comics in the 70s, you know, like the, the, the paper was, was coarser and kind of, you know, darker and things. And it was the first time you used a higher quality paper. So I saw this bright, vibrant, colored paper with this amazing graphics. It was uh, Carrie, I can't remember, Carrie Bates or someone, and Edwin McGinnis? Question mark? Look it up. You can Google it. I don't have my, <laughs> I'm on the phone. Um, but the but the artwork it was it just looked like if Neil Adams had done it like it was very vibrant and very dynamic and there's a scene with uh, Batman fighting some English thugs which is still one of my favorite pages of any Batman comic ever the coloring was amazing um, it was just so vibrant because you just heard these amazing voice actors and sound effects um, and to this day I've I've I love the look of the classic comic where there's caption box a bunch of dialogue and action. You know, like right. that, you know, if you think of like the weird, uh, weird tales or the, all the old horror comic books and that kind of thing, I love that style. Um, and this had a lot of narration. So they had a, a ton of caption boxes and it's really wordy, but at the same time, all the panels had room to breathe and it was action packed. There's one scene of Batman being trapped in this, uh, airtight container thing and Gorilla Grodd is like shocking him with like this pink light stuff and, oh, it was brilliant but that's still one of my favorite comics to this day actually um and they had a whole series they had a, a six million dollar man one a superman one and some other ones but i just i just had the one um and wow. uh yeah it was great so there it you go a if you're ever at a, and i've seen it's a full-size record and the, the, the com like you know when you buy a record sometimes and it'll have like a gateway art and it'll fold out and things yeah um it was like that but the comic is the same size so it's, it's an actual comic in the inside of this record, but it's the same size as the cover. So it's like this big oversized comic that comes with a wow. record that brings your, brings your comic to life. Um, every once in a while, I see the Batman one at Comic Cons. And for some reason, that's the only one I ever see is the Batman one. But if you ever come across it, pick it up. It's a, it's a really good find. What, uh, what's it typically going for when you see something like that? I imagine that'd be a, a spicy little meatball. Yeah, really. Yeah. Well, the one thing when it comes to records, it depends on the shape of the of the album too, right? Sure. Like I, th I, I think I saw it once at a con for like I want to say maybe twenty, thirty bucks somewhere in there. It's not too bad. Yeah, so, man. Yeah, swipe that up. Yeah. Heartbeat. Well, even even a new record, like if you if you buy a new one off the shelf, you're looking at twenty five dollars or more, right? So, yeah. yeah. At um, least. Yeah. yeah. And so I mean, depending on the condition, if it's if it's mint or whatever, uh, it's probably worth more. But yeah, like if if you find it for twenty or thirty bucks, pick it up and. If you don't have a record player, go get one. It's definitely worth having a turntable just to, just to check out that that comic and record because that's what inspired my band to do a concept CD and comic book. But that's that'll be part of the conversation later. But that <laughs> yeah, you, you've already got me hooked. I'm hooked. I got to yeah. know more about that. But we'll get there. 
We will, we will. But yeah, that's my that's my comic vault pick of the week for the seventies. Nice, I like that, and um, I think we should uh, continue the trend as such. Where uh, next week for the eighties, we'll talk eighties comics, nineties, nineties comics. It makes sense. Well, I don't know why we haven't been doing that this whole time. Yeah, really. <laughs> oh man, good on you, Riz. Well, I- you're welcome. That's that's what I'm here for. I'm here to change lives, really. That's what I do. Comes on, change so, the whole show. You can check that yeah. off your daily list as done. Done. Yes. Thank you. That was. Uh, I'm glad. I'm glad I was. I was here for that. So, uh, congratulations. <laughs> All right, uh, Randy. What you got? So, uh, Riz, thanks for that mental image because kind of what I've got is kind of tying into what you have. Um, you know, you're sitting there talking about you know your experience with that comic and that record and it. The image I have in my head is like the little kid version of you, like hunkered up in your bedroom with a blanket over with a, you know, the the record going and you're like reading at night with a flashlight and my son's seven and I want to try and instill those type of memories with him, um, you know, because everything's tech now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And it's, it's really hard for me with him at that age to find appropriate comic books you know, I don't want to have that the conversation with him just yet. <laughs> so, you know, I got to be kind of careful. So I found these Sonic comics, which Sonic the Hedgehog, Sega Genesis was a huge part of my life, you know, growing up um, mm-hmm. and just kind of having something like that to relate to him that I know isn't going to be, you know, Dad, why are they drawn this way? Well, son, ask your mother, you know, yeah. stuff like that. So um, I guess it's more of a my vault is more of a question to all three of you guys like okay. do you have any recommendations of maybe kid-friendly comics maybe on the newer side or independent are you like wanting to like be in in the realm of marvel or anything like that or does it matter i mean does as much it... as i want to feed the disney machine i mean i also respect the the independent <laughs> stuff so okay. i mean i just don't know which way you're wanting to go with it like uh so you just anything anything yeah just throw some out there riz Ooh. if you got anything too i mean uh he's seven he said yes sir um, like off the top of my head, I'm thinking of things. There was uh, uh, James James Robinson who did Starman. Remember that brilliant comic in the '90s? I he do did, remember Starman. Oh, Starman, go and read it. He did a, like a, a, a YA book called Leave It to Chance, and it's about a young girl. She has a dragon, and she does a bit of magic and things. Okay. And it was catered to a younger audience, but from I I was an adult and I loved it, and it was. Great storytelling. The art was wonderful. Um, good stories, but also smartly written. You know, like they, they weren't writing down for the younger audience. So that one that one was really, leave to chance. If you can find the collection of that, that would be really good. Okay. All right. Thank you. I, I guess I would suggest, because um, to this day, I still get a kick out of Uncle Scrooge comics. I love okay. Scrooge. I love the DuckTales. Mm. I love that whole, uh, I know it's feeding the Disney machine, right, yeah. right. Randy, but, um, you know, they they span through time. You, I think IDW does it now, but you can still like if you go to like a like the comic book store down the road here, Packrats. You can go in the basement, root through vintage comics, and you can find old Uncle Scrooge stories that um, when I see them, I always pick them up, and they always still hold up. Was it Carl? Who was that? Jack Barks. Barks. That did those books and uh, those stories, and um, that's that would be my recommendation. I uh, one comic. I don't keep up with new comics really much anymore. One, they're so freaking expensive. You know, right. Jack said he got eight comics for five bucks. Mm-hmm. A new comic, five bucks will get you eight comics. Eight comics yeah. <laughs> you know, and uh, just a regular one. If it's Maybe if three, it's thick if it's at all, then you're not getting that yeah, book today. Yeah. But um, 
Uh, the Batman animated series comics, you can find those. Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. All ba based on the Paul Dini stuff because like the the art's really it's really I mean it's really clever, really well done. But all the stories were just like the comic, like like the the TV show, right? So um, good superhero stories, but again for a kind of a younger audience, so you're not you don't have to worry about all the things you're worrying about as far as the artwork and that type of thing. Right. How much attention do you expect he'll give these comics? Like, is it going to be something he's going to look at once or twice, kind of throw away? Or do you think it's something he's going to, like, it's it's an experience he's going to have? And I mean, that's what I want for him. Sure. So, you know, whether or not he actually goes for it, sure. that's a different story. But but knowing his personality, which way do you feel he would go? I think if I hit the right tone, something he's interested in. What's he like now? What's he into uh, now? He's he's all over the place. He's like doing the the video game repair stuff with me. He's mm -hmm. um, big into cars and tornadoes and weather and say just typical seven year old boy stuff. Okay, um, you know monsters stuff like that. Well, like we were talking about earlier with Garfield. Yeah. Calvin and Hobbes, just those oh, little yeah, small like the old yeah. strips. Yeah, Even that's, that's how I started. It's more of <laughs> looking back that he was always out in the yard imagining and having fun which i don't know if kids really go out and do that anymore yeah they should man <laughs> yeah i'm serious <laughs> i mean most stores you go to will have a you know a safe section like a kid's section um yeah, the typically anything on image is like always adult i i yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like even the fairyland thing I was like oh that looks like kids Yo, no. <laughs> oh it says fuck fairyland yeah. excuse me <laughs> um but uh yeah, there's typically always like a wall or a section for kid-friendly stuff, but that would yeah. be, I would say The Simpsons, but they discontinued those yep. uh, Bongo comics. In the, Unless you get all the dollar year. bin ones, so that's yeah. good for the price. You, you'd have to be really vested. I mean, that's a dig, though. I don't know. I don't yeah, know how into The Simpsons I mean, he is, but... I mean, I, yeah. <laughs> yeah, probably not much, but... but Go ahead. I guess the thing is, you can always take him to a comic shop and just see what he's attracted to, right? Like yeah, my yeah. one of my very first early comics I remember is, is uh, Marvel Superheroes '83, and it was the Hulk in 1978 or '79, and I couldn't read it, but just looking at it, I was like, "This is the coolest thing on the face of the planet," right? Right. Um, right. And if I went to read it now, maybe the story isn't that good, but I would try to make up in my head what I thought was happening in the story. So even if you find you know something that you think looks age appropriate that even if it's a little bit older um as long as it's not too overly sexualized you should be you should be pretty safe right yeah yeah Hopefully. And, I, and i just want that for my son to be able to have like a the feeling of a comic and just mm -hmm. turn those pages like you know I, I got a kindle reader for christmas one right. year and just not having a physical book and having that feel of the pages it just it takes you so far out of it it does yeah. oh teen titans go sorry teen titans go oh, okay. yeah, there okay. you go. yeah right. perfect yeah that's a great you suggestion know, can you think about that the art is really good this it's really funny it's well written right um it's it's goofy but it's but it's also really clever too so that'd be a really good one all right perfect i appreciate that thank you uh, and if any of our listeners have any suggestions uh, for Randy, hit us up. Let us know on our website, social media, and we'd be glad to relay them and uh, help him get his son the comics he needs and deserves. Or anybody mm -hmm. else that's listening that's kind of in my boat that have kids that, you know, you want to kind of break into this. Yeah. Just make sure he doesn't run straight for, like, the Vampirella or anything like that. Uh, I'll that's keep like, him away yeah. for Elvira. That's, that's for Daddy. <laughs> Red Sonia. <laughs> Red Sonia. Daddy, can I get this one? <laughs> All right. Uh, anything else before we move on? No. Very good. Very good, successful comic vault. I feel like there's something we should be saying here before we move on. Am I? 
for getting something. Society6.com, buy a t-shirt. There we go. Well said, Jack. <laughs> well said indeed. And with that, let's turn our attention over to The Riz and talk about Draw Me in Comics. Uh, thanks so much for being here again, man. It's an, uh, I'm so honored that you're stepping away from the party you're at to humor us with conversation. Serious. Thank you. Oh, well, if there's one thing I like to do is talk about comics and myself. So, you know, if I can take time to do that, it's always a good day. And I'm excited to talk about what's happening here. First of all, let's let's talk about DrawMeInComics.com. Uh, this platform, again, seems to be a godsend for anyone who's new to comics, any indie creator who's looking to get their comic out there. Uh, can you tell the listeners a little bit about the platform? Uh, so Draw Me In Comics is a website designed specifically for independent comic book creators. So they can post the things on our site. They can sell digital versions of their comics. Um, we can also post scripts. So if you're a writer that is looking for an artist, you can put up a copy of your script saying, this is a script idea I have. Here's the amount of pages. Here's, here's the style. Who's interested? So if you sign up as a, a creator on our website... And if you read someone's script idea and you like it, you can actually contact them directly through our site and say, I would like wow, to work with you. That's and they, they, awesome. And then you can network through our site in the hopes that you'll create more digital comics that you can also put on our site. Um, you know, so we, we really want to find a creator-friendly place that you can sell your books and feel like you're not being taken advantage of. You know? um, we, uh, Scott, RP, and I, the ones that started the company, uh, we come from the independent music world. That's how we started. And through our love of comics, and that Batman comic is actually, we did a 20-track concept record that came with a graphic novel. And every song on the record comes with its own two- to five-page graphic novel that goes along with the comic. And when we did that project, we found it very difficult to find artists. We didn't know where to start. And that's kind of where the idea for this website came from. It's like we need to find a place to bring these independent people together, right, um, and really help promote them. If, if there's one group who needs the most support, it's the independent artists and the independent writers. Don't we know, you know yeah. Um, and an, another really cool feature of our site that we do is if uh, you sign up as a, a, a creator or a collector, if you want to buy comics, um, we have what we call uh, super coin packages. So you buy an X amount of coins per package, and then you use those coins to buy the comics. But the nice thing is, because we take a percentage off the purchase of the coins, if you're an artist, oh. whatever you ask for the purchase price of your comic, you get to, you get to retain your asking price. So instead of going to a bigger website um, that's owned by Amazon, let's say, you know, uh, um, where... <laughs> If you sell <laughs> if you sell a comic through them, they take anywhere from eighteen to thirty percent, right? That's their commission. Sure. Um, but we do the opposite through our, our market research. We we discovered that a lot of people who support independent artists specifically were like, well, you're, you're like an angel investor, right? You pay a little bit more on the front end, so the artists get to keep the money they ask for on the back end. So, um, so that's another big difference that we have with our site too. So. Um, we really want to make it artist friendly and creator friendly and just really help promote the people that are, are starting off and, and want to make a name for themselves. That's great. Number one, hundred percent return to the artist on, with their work. I mean, mm -hmm. where else are you going to get that? But to the network set up between creators, you know, how many times have we had somebody on the show that what they're like, you know, I was, I was, was sat next to my creator at a con. We got to talking and stuff happened you know and with a with a platform like this just constantly thriving and 
I don't know, learning and growing off of each other to make products that's going to then in turn go right back on the site. It's just a, it's a good it's cycle a you have going. There, yeah. yeah. Well, exactly. And I mean, as like, I'm a writer, I'm not an artist. Um, I need people that can draw and do the cool stuff that I see in my head because I can't do it. Um, but if I go to Comic Con as a writer, I can't go to a table and say, hey, do you want to read my script? Because guess what? No one actually wants to read your script. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right? Like, now, if you're an artist, hey, do you want to see my portfolio? Oh, sure. You know, so um, it's just nice that there's a place that, that we can post scripts. And, like, I have we have other ideas. Like, I'm even thinking of maybe once a month posting a quick four-page story that I write and just having – just tell artists, look, here's a free script. If you want to draw for it, cool. Use it for your portfolio. Just give me credit for it. Maybe do a compilation of it if you want to submit it and have, like, a free compilation. You can check out – people's artwork based on stories that other people write, that kind of thing. Like we have, we have lots of, lots of ideas that we want to, we want to spawn off from this. Right. So, um, but yeah, that, that's just it. You know, like people need to start somewhere and we have this powerful thing called the internet. So why not use it to promote the people that need the most promotion? Absolutely. We always hear that how the, the writers are searching all over for the artists going through what, what's that website? Uh, like 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 uh, like deviant art or yeah deviant art oh okay but this way it kind of turns around where the artists can actually try to find work and they'll find a script and be like hey I might want to draw that kind of thing yeah and I mean everybody yeah. yeah that's cool well exactly that and way. and the thing with like and like I've been to Comic Con well <laughs> I've been to a Comic Con or two and <laughs> I'll go to. <laughs> I'll go to the sessions and a question that comes up every time you go to a writing session or an artist section, someone will go up and say, I'm an artist. How do I promote my work? And they, well, go to DeviantArt, go to this, go to this. And this is before my website was up and I kept I was in my head. I'm like, just wait, give me like six months and I'll have something different for you. You know, and it's, it's not that I'm, I'm anti DeviantArt, but I could draw my own fan fiction art. That's terrible because I'm not a good artist. I'm not. And I could put it up and my friends would say, oh, that's awesome. And like, there's everything on DeviantArt. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, whereas right now with our site, if, if you have a comic that's done that you can put up digitally, we're ready for you. Right. So it's just not for fan fiction. No, no I'm going to draw a little picture and on a napkin and post it. Like, no, we want finished work. We want to show right. people what you, what you can actually do. And the fact that you have the work ethic and you put the blood equity into it. So now let's, let's get out there into the world. I mean, I, I guess to compare, I don't want to compare it to this, but I mean, the closest thing I can think of that most people might know would be like comiXology, but user friendly. This one is, you know, comiXology just seems to always be headaches with me. I, I never, I don't go there too often. I don't anymore, really. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah the, well, we're, I mean, like eventually if we could become like the comiXology for independent comics, like that'd be, that'd be great, you know? Um, but creating a community at the same time and that's that's really what we're trying to that's a different part of it it's just not put your stuff on there and you know again we don't want we're not we don't want to make money from the artists we want to make it from the people that are buying the comics you know (laughs) that's right it makes sense making the community because then everyone works together and there's Mm -hmm. friends and they all collaborate and real good stuff comes out that way kind of like the linkedin for you know that Mm, yeah yeah for comic yeah yeah yeah, if you took Comixology and LinkedIn and made it way cooler, that's uh, that's our website. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> uh, and uh, so in Canada, the Calgary Comic Con is coming up here in a couple of weeks, and it's sort of like the big one in Western Canada, um, the second biggest one to the Toronto Comic Con. And uh, I'm in talks with a couple of independent comic book publishers that are looking at using us to become their 
digital distribution network. So I'm hoping in the next couple of months I can announce that we suddenly have another 25, 30 titles oh, through wow, these nice. other companies. Awesome. Yeah. Um, and we're also talking with um, like comic book clubs and things. There's a, a group I'm part of here in Saskatoon that we meet once a month and we discuss comics and we create different projects and creating like our own comic book club. And every once a month, we'll just make a little anthology of the work we've been putting up and maybe we'll sell it for a little bit to raise money for the club, or maybe we'll even just sell it for free, but, um, you know, making like an issue. And again, just to promote comics and, and how cool it is in general, you know, like I, it's amazing. Like we live in this era of all these comic book movies, which is fantastic. Like I never, ever, I never would have thought I would go see a Shazam movie and think it was amazing. And it totally is when it comes out, by the way, go see it. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> You know, but we we can't forget that if it wasn't for comics, we wouldn't have these cool movies. Right. You know, if it, if it wasn't for this this artwork on you know color paper that you can flip through and touch, we wouldn't have all this cool stuff. So, go buy the comics. You know, support the people making them. Absolutely. And and for anyone who uh, might be on the fence about checking out DrawMeInComics.com, you guys even have some titles for free on there that people can come check out, right? We do. And keep in mind that. If like some artists, what they'll do, they'll put the first issue for free and then they'll sell the other one. So that's sure. that's not us telling we're not they set their own prices. We're not telling them put free stuff on, blah, blah. you know, it's free for artists to join. It's free for collectors to join. Um, all they lose is their time to put. And even if your stuff is on Comic Solid, you can still put it on our site if it's independent. You know what I mean? Like sure. all you have to do is make an account and, and upload it and they can set their price. Right. So you have uh, I know our comic is up there free just to get people looking. Um, so go take a look. You, you can sign up for free. You can get free comics. Like what else? What else do you want? Free yeah, no people. Kidding. Come They're on. Giving you comics, people. Would yeah, we have to do and, like pick you up and take you to the comics? <laughs> I mean, we couldn't make it any do easier, I, right? Yeah. Do, do, I, do I have to shake you out of bed and like carry you to your desk? <laughs> no, and got, we have all type, and we have all types of genres. Everything from like over the top horror stuff to some hilarious, like you know, black and white comics to full on color digital stuff. There's a bit of bit of everything for everyone. So go check it out. That I can I can uh, vouch for that personally. Yeah, mm -hmm. I mean there were quite a few genres. There was tons of stuff to look through. So, yeah. Oh, good. And, and keep in mind, like we're we're like six months in, like we're less than a year old. Um, oh, so wow. every without without exaggeration, we have new users signing up every single day. Um, and so now we're really focusing on getting more people to put their comics up, right? So um, we're getting a lot of customers, and we're getting more and more creators. But um, you know, we can. We need to fill those shelves full of stuff for people to buy. So, so if you're out there looking at your digital comic saying, I don't know what to do with it, draw me in comics. We're, we're waiting for you with open arms. We'll help you spread the word because, I mean, yeah. we, we see our fair share of comic creators come through this show. So we'll definitely uh, be helping you spread the word on that. Now, before we go any farther, I've got to know more about your comic that has music accompaniment to it. Oh, uh, for sure. Um, so I play with a band called Ultimate Power Duo. And uh, we're I'm a we're a big fan of concept records, right? Like the Who, Tommy, uh, and Quadrophenia, which I actually like Quadrophenia a lot better. I know that's a swear word among Who fans, but whatever. <laughs> and so uh, we wrote a, a concept record that follows the adventures of a boy named Joe. Uh, he lives in a future where the the world has gotten together kind of like the un and created this sort of uh global galactic pact to research space and things and he feels like this draw to the stars so one day he steals a spaceship and flies to the moon and finds a secret moon base 
and then discovers there's a whole secret society government organization there and he becomes part of the group and flies around and and gets into adventures so when we wrote the record um we had the idea for the story and wrote the lyrics in order so the story makes sense and then we want to do a graphic novel version to go along with it and originally we want to do a short story like the batman record so you'd buy the record have this big huge maybe like 12 page comic type thing and then we went to price it out and discovered to have one of those printed in modern times would be about $120 per record. Holy shit. Which, which, I mean, I guess given they don't do it like that much anymore, so that was we couldn't afford to do that. So then we tossed back and forth what to do. And then we decided to make it more of a jam comic um, where we would get different artists to do different songs. So there's 20 songs. Each song has its own two to five page story that goes along with it. But we had uh, 12 different artists doing the 20 different songs. Um, And they were given the lyrics and the synopsis of what the song was about and what what the whole idea of the story was and character descriptions. But there they were allowed to run with it how they wanted. So some people just did their own artwork and their own script and bang, bang, done. Some people just gave us artwork and said here you go and then we had to figure out who to do the lettering afterward some people just said give me a page by page script so i did some script work myself and did you know panel one page one that type of thing and so then when we were done we had this really cool full color jam comic um, that follows the adventures of this space boy named joe right who sometimes looks like a top gun character in one version he has uh, liberty spikes and another one um he looks like Adam Strange, so it's a it's a really cool project. It sounds awesome, and I would love to see slash hear yeah. this. Uh, so, is there any way we could go out on this episode on any of this music? Is that a possibility? I'm sure there, there is. If you go to uh, Bandcap Bandcamp.com and just look up Ultimate Power Duo, um, you'll actually see the Ultimate Power Duo presents the Adventures of Space Joe Ad Astra. Is we like our long pretentious titles, so it's on. <laughs> um, and you can you can listen to it for free, um, and you can name your price. So I think if you name your price as zero, we can actually download it for free. And we actually have a synopsis of all the lyrics and everything on there, and a sample of the artwork. But on Draw Me In Comics, if memory serves, I think we have our full comic for download for free. So if you sign up and you look up Space Joe, you'll find our comics. So you can download the comic for free. Go to Bandcamp, listen to it for free, and the world's a happy place. Wow. I'm going to check that out. And yeah. yeah, with your blessing, I'd like to maybe put one of the songs at the end of this episode. Yeah, go for it. And what's really neat, like since we did it, um, the very first artwork we got back came back from Raleigh Rosmo, who's now gone on to work with Image. He did uh, Batman, and he's done some really big names and oh, things, wow, right? Okay. So um, we've had quite a few artists who are now getting like major league work that worked on our comic and Raleigh was the first one to in our mind we're like oh we'll find the artist give them the stories we'll have the work back in like a month right and a month later Riley sent his artwork but there's no lettering on it and so I emailed Raleigh back I said oh man the artwork looks great it's awesome um when are we getting the version with lettering on it and his response was I don't do lettering <laughs> oh. I was like, and I was like oh I should have 
right? I should have thought of that. Um, and I'm sure he didn't, in my head, that's just how I read it. So anyway, so then, um, but it was, it was a learning curve. We had never done anything like that before. Sure. So, um, and by the time it was all said and done, it took about four years for us to finally get the comic finished. So, but we did, and it's great. And we're actually doing a sequel to it right now. So we're doing a record called Duophenia, Space Joe 2. And each story is going to be about one of the side characters that you meet from the first record, but don't learn much about, you know? So we're basically, we're George Lucasing it, basically. We're creating our own universe. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, uh, even the, well, I was going to say even the janitor gets a story in this one. He doesn't, but I wish he would have. Um, but, but this next one, I'm actually writing all the stories myself with one artist. So it's a bit more cohesive, right? Mm -hmm. um, the last one is definitely a jam story. So, um, you know, sometimes when you, when you look at, like I said, some people are like, who is this guy? It's the same guy. I have to figure it our readers are smart. They'll figure it out. Um, but this one will be a bit more cohesive, uh, you know, shorter songs, shorter tracks, one artist, that kind of thing. So we're doing a follow-up to it. And we're going to keep doing the music comic mashup just because that's, that's our loves. And so we just want to keep doing it. So, and we loved it so much. We made a website. So there you go. Well, I really dig what you guys are doing and I cannot wait to see your comic and hear this music. I, I just love when there's music accompanying Absolutely. a comic. Absolutely. Yeah. It's yep. so freaking awesome and just pulls you in even more. So very excited and I just want to thank you, Riz, for being here with us today. This has been a hell of a lot of fun. And again, for stepping away from your party to talk with us here at Candair. Man, what an honor. What an honor. Well, <laughs> well, thanks for having me. It was a I again I, I love having a chance to talk with fellow comic lovers and and people that love this as much as i do so um if you ever need me to step away from a party again and chat with you uh please keep me in mind oh absolutely yes, we'll sir. probably take you up on that we'll maybe try to do it when you're not at a party but <laughs> yeah yeah we'll probably definitely take you up on that sure sounds good jack what do we have on the website go to candairpodcast.com or you can check out our special guests listen to the show follow us on all our social media visit the hall of heroes see you all of justice Check out some of the videos from our YouTube page, page. Buy some merch, become a patron. If you have any comments, complaints, or give us some kudos, send us an email on our contacts page. Don't forget to find us on Twitter at CandairPod and on Instagram at Canned underscore Air. And Jack, I think, already mentioned the Patreon pod, but uh, we have another show out there, folks. If you like what we're doing here, we have another show that's a little bit more... Formal? How, uh, how would that? Cerebral? I there guess. You go. Yeah, yeah, cerebral. <laughs> yeah, a little bit more cleaned up than the old Can Dare here, but it's called What If, inspired by the old Marvel Comics uh, What Ifs, where we look at our own reality with a single twist on every episode. What if we could fly? What if we could control the weather? And we talked for about 45 minutes on yep. what happens uh, in those scenarios. So, uh, yeah, head over to whatifpod.com or you can search on your podcast players. At what if series or the one with the yellow text in the blue background can't miss us nope can't miss us and i think that's going to do it for this week so until next time i am jeremy collie i'm jack doherty i'm randy hardenbrook and i am the riz thanks for listening everyone start the voyage fly the belly ending speed feel the pulsing universal Supercar technology Now discover Everything a real life can mean Finally found home No time to explore Destination targeted Prepare for full frontal hey!
targeted destination Lies unsuspecting Complete the first mission Discover what a real life means And why the chosen are all set Instead of writing your name, write CandarePodcast.com and help spread the word. Well, that's a great idea. Now we know. And knowing is half the battle. G.I. Joe! Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Candare, your tribute to comics and pop culture. I'm Jeremy Colley. I'm Jack Dord. I'm and Randy Hardenbrook. I'm going to introduce you first. You're good. You're good. You're good. You're good. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> the Korean War has sadly been known as the Forgotten War, but half a century earlier, the United States was locked in a bloody conflict in Asia that's been all but erased from the history books. Hi, I'm Alex Hasty, the host of Ohio vs. the World an American history podcast on the Evergreen Podcast Network. In our newest episode, we speak to experts about the Philippine-American War, America's first Asian counterinsurgency conflict. The heroes, the villains. We'll discuss President McKinley, Admiral Dewey, the vicious brutality of the fighting and the scandals and war crimes that nearly sunk Theodore Roosevelt's presidency. Check out our show, Ohio vs. the World, on the Evergreen Podcast Network for our new episode about America's most forgotten war. Now back to the show. <laughs> 